0: We are in our week four of this series called Jesus Revolution, and um, I felt like just the Lord was telling us to revisit what a revolution is. And, and really, um, if you look at the actual definition, the revolution definition is to the overthrow and replacement of an established government system by the people governed. And so you and I, we pick up things that sort of govern us in our lives whether it be certain habits, you know, certain people, lifestyles, you know, whatever. And so we pick up those things, and they end up controlling us. They, they end up governing us, right? Ends up governing us. And so a revolution is, is a, an overthrow of those things, and not just an re- overthrow, but a replacement. And that's where a lot of people just fall short of that, all of us, at some point. We try to overthrow what's in our life, but then we don't replace it. We have to replace it with with something else, with another governing system. And the best governing system that I know that's out there for our life is the Holy Spirit governing us, our actions, and bringing peace. And the Bible says, you know, let your gentleness be evident to all that the Lord is near. Your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And so how do you know the Lord is near when your Holy Spirit is right there with you? And so um, that is a revolution. And the first revolution was back 2,000 years ago. The original revolution. The actual Jesus revolution. And it was a replacement of the old governing system. And it it wasn't about Rome, even though people thought it was. It was about the old system of the law. The law. And everything that they had to do and all the sacrifices had to be made and jesus said hey look i'm here i'm you know, to, to fulfill that law and, and there's a new system in town there's a new system here and so he came to um to you know overthrow um just the 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 shackles of of the law and and all of the man-made biblical laws that people sort of added to that and he's like hey it's about grace. It's about freedom. It's about mercy for everyone. And so um, that's what the first Jesus revolution was about. Of course, we had uh, other revolutions and, and, and awakenings in our culture. Uh, the, part of the last one that we have experienced is, is one back in the 70s. And that's kind of the one that um, that uh, people talk about the uh, the most. Even Time Magazine had a had an article back then on the front page: Jesus Revolution. And but but it doesn't stop there. It's a revolution that can start right in their hearts because I believe that every revolution and every revival, spiritual revival, begins in the hearts of mine, in minds of us individually. It has to start here in our hearts. So what is that? Jesus revolution look like? Well, first of all, we need to see the signs of a Jesus revolution. We need to understand, we talked about that week one. What are the signs that something needs to happen? What are the signs that something needs to take place? And I threw out a few things like when social media controls you, when you don't grieve for those who don't know Christ, when, um, when sin is a, just a pattern in your life, overall pattern, that's a sign that you need a Jesus revolution and an overthrow and replacement. And when prayer and worship becomes ritual chore, just becomes something you just check off, okay? Whether it be private worship, in home, reading the Bible and in prayer, or whether it be here at church, and so, if, if if it's laborsome to, and, and I get it, there are days, it, it is laborsome. It's like, oh, I don't really feel like opening the Bible, you know. And I'd rather scroll my phone rather than read the Bible. I mean, if you've ever been there, I've been there. Yeah. And so, but but I'm talking about on a, on a regular giving, I mean, I'm in a regular rotation of things in your life. If you sense a burdensome you know, challenge to always pray and always read the Bible. was like, man, I, I don't really want to. And, and you're fighting the flesh. Then you need a Jesus revolution. And I've been there many times where I just seem to say, okay, whatever I'm fighting, whatever idol I'm holding on to in my life, I need to overthrow that by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not my own actions, not my own abilities, but I need to overthrow that and replace it with more of Jesus, more of his presence in our life. And so, if there are signs in your life that a Jesus revolution is needed, that's a first step. That's the first thing to look for. We, too, we talked about the approach to revolution. Now, how do you approach that revolution in your life? How do you approach it when there, something needs to be overthrown and replace. Well, we looked at a few Bible uh, uh, passages in week two, and we looked at the woman who had a, uh, a bleeding problem, an illness for 12 years, and uh, we saw that she got on her hands and knees, and she crawled through the crowd, didn't push her way. wasn't all about her. She just wanted to touch a hem of his garment, just in humble adoration of him. And so what it shows us is that we need to go before him with humility. We we need to approach a revolution in our life with humility. It's like, God, I don't, I don't have the strength to overthrow this. I don't have the strength to do this. And just, just be in a, in a heart of, bowing our hearts and our heads for him in humility. We need to be transparent, like with the man with the withered hand. When Jesus was speaking at the synagogue and he called the man because he knew he was there. And he's like, I need you to come forward. Show me your hand. And both of his hands, one was good, one was bad. And, and he, he had both of them in his, in his outer coat. And so he could have shown him the good hand because he was in front of everybody. But he decided to show him his bad hand. And it shows transparency. When we come before Jesus, when we come before him, we need to show him all of our junk. By the way, he already knows it. <laughs> he already knows it. And he still loves you. Isn't that amazing? That he knows your junk and he still loves you. Jesus knew he had a withered hand, this man, but he wanted the man, he wanted to give the opportunity for the man to be transparent. We need to approach Jesus with transparency. So humility, transparency, and then um, we need to surrender everything we hold dear. It's about the rich young ruler who, who said, Jesus, I kept all your commands. I'm ready to, what, what must I do to inherit an eternal life? What must I do to go to heaven? Jesus said, Sell everything you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. That's a, big, that's a big task. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't be rich and serve him. It just means that this man, uh, that was his idol. And, and he put all of his, all of his um, abilities in his riches. All of his strength in his riches. And his comfort and support in what he had. And not in Jesus. And he walked away saddened. What Jesus is saying is, look, if you want a Jesus revolution in your life, and your heart, you need to be willing to let go of the things that you hold dear. You need to will, be willing to let go of the things you hold dear. And some, some, for some of us, it's very difficult to do. It's very difficult to do. So... What are the signs? We got to watch for those signs. How do we approach humility, transparency, surrender? And the last week, you we talked about how to share the revolution. Once we have a revolution, a change in our life, we want to share it with others. And we talked about the woman at the well, who was a Samaritan woman, had, had 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 five husbands, and the man she was living with was not a husband. And Jesus confronted her in love. But what we learn from this as we share Jesus' revolution is that there are thirsty people all over the place. Now, this woman was actually thirsty for water. She was there, but she was actually thirsty for something more. She was thirsting thirsting for living water, representing the Holy Spirit. There are people living in their life that need the Holy Spirit, that need the fresh anointing of water power and living water flowing through them. They're thirsty. They're dry inside. Their their, their heart is like a desert. And you may know people in your life. Maybe people here are listening or watching online. That is you as well. But there are people around that God has placed in your life that, that are thirsty for something greater, thirsty for more. That as you talk to people, it's okay to be honest with them and confront the sin in love. To confront the sin in love. Just talk about it. Because that's, that's important. And, and, and that's what Jesus did with the woman at the well. But as you talk to people, there's going to be intentional diversions, meaning just like the woman said, she, she tried to divert the conversation. She's like, okay, I don't really want to talk about, the, you know, my life and those things. Let's talk about, you know, something that is sort of controversial. You know, between the Samaritans and the Jews and how we worship and everything. And what that means is is what Jesus is saying, and and the reason this is in the Bible, I believe, is because as we share Jesus and share this holy word to people, people will want to divert the conversation. They're going to want to major on the minors as well, I, I like to put it. They'll say, well, you know, did Jesus or did God really create the world in six days? I mean, was, was Mary really a virgin? I mean, because, you know, I've read all these blogs and watch these videos and YouTube and, and all this stuff. And they'll just avert around that conversation. And what did Jesus do? Jesus kept going to her in love and in love and in love. And it's going to take time. Jesus did it in one conversation and it may, with you, with us, it may take several conversations. But we need to be able to share that Jesus revolution. And today I want to talk about, and we're going to close this series next week. But today I want us to talk about the impact of a revolution. The impact of a revolution. Now we're going to be in several passages of scripture today. And, and I'm going to be in, uh, each point here has sort of a, 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 its own verse. So sometimes I'll, I'll take a passage and we'll just camp out of that passage or that story like we did last week with the uh, woman at the well. And sometimes we'll pick uh, certain passages of scripture throughout Bible just, just to show how God's word is, is threaded throughout scripture and the theme of God's, uh, God's word. And so um, if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Matthew 16, verse 18, it says this, and I'll tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or hell, will not overcome it. So the first impact of revolution, the Jesus revolution, is the church. The great impact is the church. No group of people have had more positive impact in history and the world than the Christian church. It transformed the Roman Empire... It rescued learning from the destruction of Middle Ages. It raised Europe and, uh, out of this barbarianism, pioneered the new world, sent Christian civilizations to the ends of the earth. History would be drastically different without the acts of God's people in every century. Even today, without compassion, evangelism, humanitarianism, social justice, works of the church, in, in, in all these nations, the world will be completely different. Imagine if, imagine if the, the world did not have the church. The church is literally the branches of the Holy Spirit, of God himself, of Jesus. And so as, as we do the work of God, that's why Jesus isn't here on this planet anymore. <laughs> He's alive and in heaven, but he sent the Holy Spirit. And you and I, what we have to do, our goal is to be Jesus to those people. And so all throughout history, since Jesus came on the planet, planet, since Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, what has the church been doing? The church has been affecting the world in many incredible ways. So the church is a huge impact of the Jesus revolution. In my research... Here's another one. Look at Galatians 3.28. And we're turning through these pretty quickly, but Galatians 3.28. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. No one altered the role of women in society more than Christ, more than Jesus. Prior to the New Testament, Women labored in, in, in harsh roles and were often uh, nothing more than slaves to men and their families. The teachings of Jesus um, just reconfirmed the truth that in every way, from the time of creation, women are an equal worth as man as men in god 's sight. In fact, who were the first to see the resurrected Christ? Women? Who is a who is the first woman outside of the disciples to uh, to hear that Jesus was the Messiah? We read that last week. The Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. I mean, there there are countless times in, 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 in the New Testament where Jesus says, Look, we're we're equal here. No, I mean there 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 are there there are biblical roles and society roles of men and, and, and women when it comes to in ministry and that kind of stuff. But but Jesus, the teachings of Jesus just took the idea of women and, and totally put it at a 180. Now it took a few years for that to happen. But he valued women. All of the women's rights we enjoy, especially in the past 200 years, were produced by the Christian faith. Even Muslim societies today, women are second-class citizens. Why? They're not Christians. They're not believers. So we see the church as a huge impact of a Jesus revolution. We see women as a huge impact of Jesus' revolution. We see family life. Look at Ephesians 5, 22 through 25. Ephesians 5, 22 through 25 says this, Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is a head of the wife as Christ is head of the church, his body of which he is a savior. Now, as a church submits to Christ, so also wives submit um, to their husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, in the next chapter, in Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, so that, in, uh, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. The application of Jesus' teaching also gave permanent strength and completeness to the world's most important institution, and that is Is the family. The family is the most important institution in our world today. The family. The family is so important. Wives were not slaves. Husbands weren't to be tyrants and children possessed significance. The Christian truths of submission, equal worth, partnership, equality, and self-sacrificing love gave harmony and protection to family relationships that over hundreds of years became the foundation of Western civilization and our culture. Why do we have things such as, as focus on the family, and all of these things about family, family, family. It's what it teaches in Jesus. Now, what we read today was, was Paul talking through the Holy Spirit, but it was the Holy Spirit talking through people in the New Testament. And God God just wanted to... He wanted to flip what was happening in in, in their culture at the time. And it's important when you read God's word, it's important to understand that, that, that these words are within a certain historical context and a literary context and culture context. So you've got to read God's word understanding that there are things around what was happening so that you could better understand it. And so Jesus and God wanted to take what was happening right there at that moment and just flip it. And, and do it's just still a reversal of what was happening in the lives of women and, and, and in families and those kinds of things. So the teachings of Jesus and on him to his disciples and apostles like Paul, through the power of the Holy Spirit, really literally created that family foundation. So impacts the church. Women, family, government. Look at Romans 13.1. Romans 13.1. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Look down at verse 4. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if, you are, uh, but if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment or, uh, on the wrongdoer. So, one of the things we both criticize and take for granted in the 21st century is the positive role of human governments that were shaped by Christianity. Prior to the Christian faith being applied to civil government... People live in fear of massacres and tyrants. Your town could have been here one day and burned down the next. You could have been alive one day and dead the next. In fact, right now, there are countries that do not have a a governmental system that is based off the teachings of Jesus and the teachings of his apostles. And because of that, you have tyrants and dictators and people who put Um, And leaders who put people to death. We've got it great in America. You may say, man, America's going to pot. You may believe that. But let me tell you, if you travel the world, if you literally travel the world, be grateful for the freedom we have here in America. Now, yeah, we need a Jesus revival. We need Jesus to show up From the top down, uh, circling down from our leaders, from the very top all the way down to to those of us here today. We need a revival in our country. But the fact that we have the current governing system is amazing because it stems from the teachings of the church and of the apostles. And so what an amazing impact the Jesus revolution had on our culture So the church, women, family life, government, education. Look at uh, Colossians 2, 2, 2 through 3. My goal, and this is Paul again. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mysteries of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Wisdom. And knowledge. So are you aware that the first universities in Paris and London were started by believers who had a trust for knowledge and wisdom? And did you know in the first 120 universities in America, get this, the first 120 universities in America, beginning with Harvard, were started by followers of Jesus. Why? For the advancement of Christian faith. Now you may say uh, that <laughs> That's not happening right now. I, I do agree with that. Do we need a revival on college campuses? Yes, we do. Is revival happening on college campuses? Yes. Not all of them. We need to pray that that fire of revival continues to, go, to grow strong. But our universities, the first 120 founded in the United States were founded so that the Christian faith could be spread and that wisdom and knowledge like Paul is talking about could be gained through the power of his word and the Holy Spirit. That is amazing. And so, what what we see here in Paul, and obviously as a result of the Jesus revolution, it's affecting our education system. It I mean, mean, our education system is founded on these things. Now you may say, well, we took God out of public schools and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I wish we could. You know, some people say we can't pray anymore in public schools. (laughs) There is prayer in public schools. Absolutely. There are students who are praying. There are teachers who are praying. Here at Red Top Middle School, there is prayers at Red Top Middle School. Okay? Even, even every day in, 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 every, in every school in Georgia, should, it should be, and I know other states do this as well, they pause for a minute of silence. And I know that over at Emerson Elementary, man, it's a full 60 seconds. <laughs> I've been over there. And and what do people do? Not everybody does this, but I know that there are people in the school who do this. They pray. They pray. Kids get together. FCA here at Red Top Middle School and others. I mean, we so prayer is not void in public schools. Prayer can continue. And so we need to continue to pray that, that God will bring revival in our schools because it can happen. But even the foundations of our education system. So the, the, the impact of the Jesus revolution affected our entire world through the, through the message of the church. And it totally did a reversal in the role of women. It valued women. It, it, it laid the foundation for a, a biblical family life, government systems, education systems, and finally, even in business. even in business. We see in Colossians 3:23, Paul says this, "Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as with working for the Lord, not for human masters." For thousands of years, there was no middle class. No middle class and no freedom for individual initiative. During the Christianization of Europe, this all changed as believers applied biblical concepts of labor labor and industry, which eventually became free enterprise capitalism that led the world out of mass poverty. The Protestant work ethic, extensive philanthropy, the standards of living we share today is a fruit of the teachings of Christ applied to economics. So the freedom we have, so this concept of freedom we have in Christ became the call for freedom in a country. And, and the United States was able, to, was, was the first country to, to really do that, to take that, that biblical the biblical concepts. And if you have a chance to go to Washington, D.C. and see the monuments and, and to see scripture, scripture is all over the place. If you have a chance, go to the Bible Museum. Our family went. It's amazing. And, uh, and they have this, they, there's actually a ride in the Bible Museum now. It's, it's more of a virtual thing. You get in there, and it kind of moves you around, and you, and you, you, know, you wear some things. But, but it, it, and don't eat before this because it'll make you sick, personal experience. But it goes through all of the monuments, and, and it's sort of uh, this drone view of all of these monuments, and it takes you up close to everyone, and it highlights biblical passages on the top of monuments at the bottom of monuments. And they are all over the place in Washington, D.C. All over the place. It'll blow you away. And so, our governance system used biblical concepts to create freedom, and that trickled into the workplace. And now we have this idea of capitalism. Now, I, I understand. Capitalism... Taken to the nth degree can can you know end up being bad. And the fact that that people, people can uh, cheat on others and 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 lie and 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 be greedy, absolutely. But what what it do, what it did, it brought free enterprise. This this idea that, hey, I can start a company. There are people in this room in our church who own their own business. <laughs> There are people watching online who own their own business, some small, some large. And they own their business. Why? Because they can. Because they can. It's free enterprise. Freedom. That call for freedom came from where? Jesus and the apostles. It all came from Jesus. And so the, the Jesus revolution... The overthrow of the current system of of just chains being bound by people to where there wasn't freedom and you had to obey all of these rules and regulations and even man-made laws, Jesus replaced that with grace and mercy. And he said, look, I'm dying for your sins and you believe on me and I'm going to live in you and you invite me to be Lord of your life. We are going to do incredible things together. And it... It created an explosion over the last 2,000 years, an impact that we see in the world. You look at history, the church was involved in that. Now, I do understand throughout history, there are some parts in the church that, you know, man sort of, you know, took care of, and they thought they were doing the Lord's work and never, you know, making people, you know, uh, accept Christ and, and those kinds of things, and I mean, yes. Those are some bad examples, but that wasn't really, that wasn't really the, 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 the church that Jesus died for. Throughout history, the church of love, mercy, and grace, and freedom was there affecting our world and affected things like the role of women, family, government systems, education, and even business. So I wanted you to understand today. Sometimes we see Jesus revolution as this bad the, the the thing in the past that's happened many, many years ago and it affects some people and that was then And this is now. And there's a gap between those two things. Can I tell you something? The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead 2,000 years ago, which we're about to celebrate in two weeks, is the same spirit that lives in you today if you have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. There is a connection between 2,000 years ago and us today. And so that Jesus revolution... We are reaping the benefits of the original Jesus revolution and, and, and years of, of people holding on to the words of this Bible and doing incredible things through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so there's no separation. We, we are living in that same spirit. And so the spirit of freedom and that, that revolution in our life, we can live today. And we are enjoying those benefits. And guess what? There's more work to be done. Our grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great, 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 many generations beyond until Jesus comes back, they are going to reap the benefits of what we are doing as a church and as a community. So we need to walk in confidence, in boldness, as I shared last week, to share the revolution and to understand, just like the men of old, and we sang about this uh, earlier in one of our songs, as the saints of old are there, and we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, even those who, who were part of establishing government systems and, and, and free enterprise, those people who are in heaven, and they're cheering us on. We will be there one day. And our childrens, 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 generations on, they will reap the benefits of what you and I decide to do with our life today. So I'm going to encourage you. Be bold. Live with confidence. And understand you are making an impact. Just like those people made an impact. Just like Jesus made an impact. And the apostles. And it just trickled down. Generation to generation to generation. Look what it has done. And we're not finished. We are not finished. So I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Make an impact. Make an impact on those around you. All it takes is one conversation. All it takes is one conversation conversation. What does that look like? And so I just want to encourage you to have that conversation with people in your life that you need to introduce them to Jesus and the impact you can make. Do you think of people like Billy Graham? Billy Graham, who who led thousands and thousands of people to Christ. It just took one man sharing Jesus to Billy. (laughs) And all it takes is us sharing Jesus and the impact we can make. Because let me tell you what, the Jesus revolution that's happening in your life can and it will make an impact if you allow it to. So, as we close, I just, um, I want to make sure that we are doing everything we can to make that impact. So every head bowed, every eye closed if you could. I want to just give this opportunity for you to search your heart. And that's the Lord. Lord, where can I make the most impact for your kingdom? Where can I make the most impact for your kingdom? <laughs> and I'm going I'm to warn you on this. And encourage you. If you truly ask that question... With all your heart, um, he could call you to something that is very adventurous, very bold. And maybe that's something that you could be afraid of. But I want to encourage you. Don't be afraid of that. Embrace whatever God wants you to do. The last time I asked Jesus that question was 11 years ago, maybe 12 years ago. I said, God, how can I make the most impact for you? What he told me is this, go plant a church. And that's what I did, along with many friends. So what is Jesus? What is God telling you to do? It may not, it may not be to go plant a church. It, it, it may be for you to finally step out in faith to do something in your neighborhood, in your own family. Maybe even lead your family into devotionals. Maybe to start uh, intentionally inviting people to church. Make an impact. Maybe starting a certain ministry. If you wanna do that, let us know. We wanna be involved. But whatever it is, what impact does, does God want you to make In his kingdom. Ask the Lord that. Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to make an impact for you. Not for our name. Not for our name, not for our glory, but for you and you alone. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you fill us with your power, your strength. To share the Jesus revolution. And to think about what impact we can make to this world and to those around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Next week, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna encourage you. The next couple of weeks leading up to Easter, you need to you need invite some folks. Invite some people to be here. We're gonna share the gospel like we always do. Next week, I'm talking about this subject. Here's my sermon title next week. It's called The Cost of Revolution. What is it, what is it gonna cost us to, for Jesus to overthrow and to replace whatever governing system is in our hearts. Okay? What is the cost of following Jesus? Because there is a cost. And there was a cost for Jesus. We're going to talk about that next week, of following what God, his father, wanted him to do. And so next week, also, we are taking communion, Lord's Supper, and so we invite you to come back next week as we observe communion together and as we talk about the ultimate cost that Jesus did for us next week and the cost for us following Jesus. You don't want to miss it. And then the following week, we have Easter. So start inviting people, making those conversations, and ask the Lord this question every day. How can I make an impact for you? Jesus, right? Everybody good? Say amen. Amen. All right, good. You're alive. Awesome. Thank (laughs) you. Cool. Hey, we love you guys, and we'll see you all back next week. Thank you so much.